I'm so thankful for our worship team and, and, and what they do. And this morning, as in my office, I'm hearing these songs. I'm going, oh, this lines right up, as always, with what I'm, with what I'm sharing today. And so I was so excited about being able to share God's word. But there's two other things I want to say first before that. One thing I'm excited about is this Right Now Media. You saw the little video. Um, for those of you um, who maybe have done Zoom conferences, because of everything that's been going on, you know, it's like, how can we connect people more? I really miss the handshaking and, and the going around and people feeling free to, to be closer together. And so we've kept our distance and, and all that kind of stuff. And Bible studies the same way and people watching online. And it's like, how do we keep people connected? So that right now media, uh, coming soon in a couple of weeks here, we'll announce it. First of all, we want you to get familiar with it. You should have gotten an email. If you didn't, let Jen know. Then what happens is, like those Zoom conferences that maybe you've done, we can watch a Bible study together. So you'll have like the content right in the middle of your screen and then all the boxes with people around it. We can watch together, converse about God's Word. And I'm looking forward to that to give us more opportunities to connect. So I'm looking forward to that. Here's the second thing I'm looking forward to, and that is Thanksgiving. All right? It is days away. Days away. I know some of you are excited about it. It's a time of gathering. You pause from the normal work schedule, hopefully. Um, maybe you eat a little bit more than you normally eat. Maybe some of you are like, I've been eating more than since last March. Okay? Um, I get it. But this is sort of that, that joyful time, a celebration. But I understand this, that with Thanksgiving coming, there's also a little bit of anxiety building up. And there's also some negative attitudes building up. And I want to address that today. Because I understand that the governor is going to get on this online here next week and possibly put out some new demands and stipulations and mandates. And a lot of us are a little worried about it. It's like, ain't nobody going to stop me from me and my family. You know? And I know we're all sort of building up that attitude. I get it. Um, but it's hard to believe. But remember this moment. Last spring, Easter was coming. And we're all in quarantine. You remember that moment? And we're like, you can't keep me from worshiping my resurrected Savior. Remember that moment? We're like, we're going to do Easter. You know, maybe we can't gather. We're still going to celebrate Easter. Ain't no quarantine going to shut down the resurrection. Amen? So we were all saying that. Let me just remind you. No matter what happens for Thanksgiving or Christmas, we are still celebrating an attitude of gratitude. And we are still celebrating the birth of Christ. Amen? So regardless of what comes our way, we can still celebrate. We can still worship. And I want us to remember that. And I understand there might be some attitude, of, but, 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 all right, we'll get to that throughout the sermon here. But with all this hype, let's just remember that our God is great. Did we not just sing that? How great thou art. He's got this. He'll help us through this. I heard this story about a teacher named Mrs. Klein, and uh, she was had a bunch of first graders, and she, in her school district, was rather a rough, rough area. And she had her first graders just draw pictures of things they're thankful for. And she's sort of wondering, what are they going to draw? You know, these kids come from tough neighborhoods, and will they just draw the, the typical Thanksgiving picture, food on the table and all that kind of stuff, or, or maybe more? And uh, she collected the papers as the kids were going to sort of share them, and she's going to hold them up and share them and explain. And there's a little boy by the name of Douglas, and Douglas is sitting there, and he drew simply a hand. That was it, just a hand. And it sort of caught her attention, and 
she said, Douglas, I want to share this. You know, she sort of held up. She goes, everybody, what do you think this represents? It's a hand. And right away, there's this, there's that one, there's that one kid in every group, right? That is, wants to make sure they make a witness for Christ. Like, it's the hand of God, right? It's the first grader. It's the hand of God. And, and he just gives us everything. And then there's another kid that says, it's a farmer. Because farmers are the ones that raise all the turkeys and all the food for us. Another first grader said, it's a policeman's hand because they're the ones that protect us and serve us. And then there's this sweet little girl ahead of her time. Her name is Lavina. She said, that is supposed to be the hand of all the hands in the world that work together to help. But it's just one hand representing. It's like, what grade are you in, girl? Right? And then the teacher's like, you know, maybe we should just ask Douglas. And she leaned over to Douglas and said, Douglas, what's the picture of this hand? And Douglas said, it's your hand, Mrs. Klein. Because see, every day at recess, when she would go out, he was like a shadow. He would reach up and grab her hand, and they would walk out together. Because he didn't have anybody. And he was so thankful for just a simple hand. And I was thinking about that going into this, this God's Word today. And I guess I want to say this. As we go into God's Word today, will you please remember the gracious hand of God that holds you and I today. How great thou art. That precious hand of God. Grab your Bibles and turn, if you would please, to the book of Exodus. Exodus 15. As you're turning there, give me, let me give you a little recap. The children of Israel have left Egypt. They've been what? Led by the hand of God and the leadership of Moses as they are heading out. And they wandered, if you remember, in a roundabout way through the wilderness to get to the river. They got pinned up against the Red Sea. And Pharaoh and his entire army pursued the people. And they're pinned against the Red Sea. They started to question God. They started to complain to God. And it's like, complain? Are you kidding me? After 10 plagues and seeing how God is so mighty and God is so great, now they're going to complain? Yep. And they sort of wondered, you know, where is God? And we've all had those moments, right? Where we sit there and they say, hey, God, where are you at? Do you not know what's going on in my life? And here, here, and here, and here, right? And in our wondering and these people's wondering, here's what happens. We have a choice. See, we have a choice in that moment to complain or to trust God. We have a moment where we can quit or we can keep going. It, it's, isn't it great that God gives us that choice? We can choose to follow God when things are all messy, when maybe all of our bills aren't getting paid or when our family is fractured in certain ways. We can continue to trust God. We can trust God when every day feels like Friday the 13th in the year 2020, right? We can just sort of trust God in the midst of all this. Because we need to remember this. Our God is an awesome God. Period. We've learned this. You know, we look at the beginning of Genesis. God gives us his name. He kept introducing himself to different people. From Adam to Abram and Isaac and Joseph. He just kept introducing himself and giving a new name. Let me remind you some of those names. Elohim is creator. Elameth is a God of truth. El Shaddai is God all-powerful. Jehovah Shammah is the Lord is there. Jehovah Suri is the Lord is my rock. Or in just Exodus 3.14, it's just Jehovah. Or El Musha'ah, which is God who saves. Or Jehovah Jireh, which is the Lord will provide. As every person in the Bible seemed like came in to play, God's like, 
you've heard as the father of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and so forth, how I've been introduced, but let me tell you also who I am. It's like God just keeps reintroducing himself to us saying, oh yeah, I am that and I'm even more and I even more. Our God is awesome. And these people pinned up against the Red Sea, they knew this. They knew all these names. They knew that their God was an awesome God, but yet they still what? Question God, right? We're that way. That makes sense. If you remember Exodus 14, 14, it said this. God told his people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. It's a great verse, right? And what did God do? Oh, he rescued his people, parting that Red Sea. Verse 30 of Exodus 14 says, This is how the Lord rescued Israel from the the hand of the Egyptians that day. When the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him. They put their faith in the Lord and in his servant Moses. See, it took 10 plagues and a Red Sea rescue to see the awesome power and mighty act of a God to amaze them, right? And for them to find like, okay, let's put our faith in him. We are filled with awe because he is what? An awesome God. And then now it's all good, right? Because I mean, it's, it's all good. We've seen everything and he is mighty and powerful. But knowing this, right, how then should we live? You and I who read God's word know this about God. How then should we live? With confidence? With hope? With peace? In a selfless way? In a giving way? How should we as Christians live? Chuck Swindoll said this, We have a choice every day regarding the attitude that we will embrace for that day. Psalm 118, 24 says, This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice in what? Be glad in it. Knowing that our God is an awesome and mighty God, how great you are, right? We get to choose how we respond to today and whatever comes our way. This is the day that the Lord's made. Today, this Sunday, as a lot of you walked in on that downpour, okay? You're like, I just got soaked coming in here, right? And then it started to hell. You know, some of you didn't know that, right? Then it all stopped, right? Hey, you know what? This is the day that the Lord's made. And what, 30 minutes before, the sun was shining. All right, God, what's up? I don't know, but you made it, and I get to choose how to respond to this, right? Psalm 42, 7, 8 says, I hear the tumult of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. Rainstorm, hail. But each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me, and through each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. The psalm the author here says, yeah, I feel this, the water coming over me. The sea's uh, hitting me. The waves pounding me. I trust him. I trust him. I want you to think about this. I want you to consider all that God's given you. Think right now, what has God given you? And some of you are like, um. we need to be able to respond right away as Christians. When somebody says, well, what's God given you? Oh, let me give you a list. And you can just sort of rip these off in front of them, right? Well, first of all, God's given you his very own spirit, his Holy Spirit. God has given you life, eternal life. God has given you knowledge and truth and the wisdom to know what to do with that knowledge and truth. He has given you patience and encouragement. God has given us peace. 
Not done. God has given us victory over sin and death. God has given us comfort in times of pain. He has given us hope. He has given us strength. He takes care of our needs. He gives us grace. Grace is not getting what we deserve, right? Grace is getting what we do not deserve. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. And he gives us that too. God is so good. He gives us all these things. He rescues us. He gives us this. He's a giver of so much. He is such a good God. So we praise him, right? That's why we come to church and we sing these songs. It's that moment when we realize how great our God is and what he has given us. And we should be pausing in that moment thinking, wow, I don't deserve any of this. But he's given it to me. So I'm going to ask you three questions and I'll ask these three questions at the end. Question number one. So do we live with confidence and hope and peace? Or are we too focused on the pharaohs of this life? Do we see the Red Sea in our lives as an obstacle or walls ready to walk through? And when we see the hand of God, whether it's a simple answer to prayer or a massive miracle, do we give thanks? Do we give thanks? Because right now, that's where the children of Israel are at. So how do they respond to this God who is awesome and great? Well, look in Exodus 15. We're going to uh, we're going to start reading here and understand this. There's a song that got sung. After they go through the, the Red Sea, they're like, yeah, let's have a victory chant. Let's have a victory song. It's like for those of you that are college football fans, and, and I don't know if other sports do this. Some maybe do, some don't. But when they win, they go to their end zone where the student section is. And what do they do? They sing their school fight song. Right? And then they're like, yeah, we sang our school fight song. So you can imagine like Moses and the children of Israel, they're like, let's go sing this, this fight song because we just won. So here's what the song, how it goes. Look at verse 1, Exodus 15. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both horse and rider into the sea. The Lord's my strength, my song. He's given me victory. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and army, he's hurled into the sea. The finest of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters gushed over them. They sank to the bottom like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, is glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, smashes the enemy. I mean, this was an eyewitness account. This song they're singing, they saw it. They saw Pharaoh and his army and the waters crushed them. They were eyewitnesses and they're singing this song out of, yeah, we just saw this. And that's why we're singing, right? But they go on, they continue to sing. Verse 7, in the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow those who rise against you. You unleash your blazing fury. It consumes them like straw. Verse 8. At the blast of your breath, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood straight like a wall. In the heart of the sea, that deep waters became hard. And you're like, we saw that too. As they walked through the Red Sea. This is what they're singing about. And yeah, the enemy can be intimidating, but remember this, God is bigger, right? Verse 9, the enemy boasted, I'll chase after them and catch up with them. I'll plunder them and consume them. I'll flash my sword. My powerful hand will destroy them, right? Doesn't our enemy like to bark at us? Look at verse 10, but you blew with your breath 
and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. We need to remember this. Our spiritual opponent, the devil, likes to yell and yell loud. But our God, with a breath, covers it. Victory. Verse 11. Who is like you among the gods, O Israel? Glorious in holiness, awesome in splendor, performing great wonders. You raised your right hand and the earth swallowed our enemies. With your unfailing love, you led the people you've redeemed. In your might, you guide them to your sacred home. Who's like our God? I mean, seriously, church, who is like our God? We have no answer for that, do we? Because there's no one like our God, unfailing in his love, our great redeemers. And others, well, others, they don't believe in God. That's the scary part. Look at verse 14 to 16. The peoples hear and tremble. Anguish grips those who live in Philistia. The leaders of Edom are terrified. The nobles of Moab tremble. All who live in Canaan melt away. Terror and dread fall upon them. The power of your arm makes them lifeless as stone until your people pass by. O Lord, until the people you, what? Purchased, redeemed, pass by. They're singing this song. They're like, our God is awesome. He's great. And you know what? And everybody knows it. Oh, remember they didn't go through the Philistine area, that territory. Why? Because God knew they would be scared. Know what those people now? They're trembling. Nations that surround the children of Israel right now are trembling. They are scared. You know why? Because they've heard about this God. They used to be scared of Pharaoh. Pharaoh is going through and God just crushed them. Not one Israelite raised a hand, threw a stone, tossed a spear, shot an arrow. Not one. Because God did it all. And everybody knows it. Look at verse 17. You will bring them in and you will plant them on your own mountain. The place, O Lord, reserved for your own dwelling, the sanctuary. O Lord, that your hands have established, the Lord will reign forever and ever. And this is a praise song. That was their victory chant. And they sang out how God's rescued them and God is so good. Right? Isn't this awesome? But wait, mankind's pretty fickle, aren't we? We really are. When it's going good, we're good. But when it goes bad, oh yeah, we go bad too. My team is great. Coach, we got the best coach around. Love our coach, love our team. And then we fumble the ball and then we turn it over and then we lose. Our coach stinks. He needs to be fired. That's just the way we work, right? And it's sometimes the same way with God. I love God. He's so awesome. He's great. Then I have a bad day. I don't know where's God at. We're just sort of fickle that way. And we see the same thing happen here. Because check out what happens. Verse 22. Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea. Oh, that, that remember the Red Sea? That's where their victory chant was. All right, and then they start moving on. And they moved on to the desert of Shur. And they traveled in the desert for how many days? Three days without any water. And when it came to the oasis of Marah, the water was too bitter to drink. So they called the place Marah because why? Because it means bitter. Church, how many days did they wander without water? Three days. Excellent. For those in case you missed it, let me put it up on the screen. Three days. Now, why is that number significant? It always means something to me. I'll tell you why. Because the cupbearer sat in prison with Joseph for three days, wondering if he was going to be executed or whether he would live. The plague of darkness that covered Egypt was three days. 
The people sat by the flooded river. They were supposed to cross the flooded river to go into the promised land. But the river's flooded. There's no way they can cross. They sat there for three days in silence, wondering what to do. Spies hid from their enemy when they went into Jericho to seek out whether or not they go. Spies were being pursued by the enemy. They had to hide for three days. Due to David's sin, a vicious virus killed 70,000 people for three days before God stopped it. Esther, before she went to the king, fearing that she could be executed for going to the king, she fasted for three days. Jonah was inside the belly of a fish for three days. People were eating with Jesus, listening to him teach. I love this story. They're listening to him teach, and it says, it says this. After three days, Jesus said, you know, they haven't eaten. I'm sitting there thinking, if I'm preaching, and it's 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, you know, it's 6 o'clock, and I'm still preaching, and you're still sitting here, I'm sitting there going, hey, we didn't have lunch. Some of you at 1230 are saying, we didn't have lunch, okay? This is three days later. And they're like, Jesus like, hey, you know what? We haven't eaten yet. I'm thinking all, the, all these people that have been listening, somebody would have said something like, can we have a break, snack? Anybody got anything to pass around here? Three days, right? Predicted by Jesus. Multiple times he would be crucified, buried for three days and resurrected. Jesus was separated. I don't know if you remember this. Jesus was separated from his parents when he was a little kid for three days. Paul was blind for three days. That number three, in, in all these cases, each of these situations where there's a three-day wait, people were lacking food, they were lacking water, they were lacking company, there was darkness, there was something going on that was not good, which created anxiety, fear of some kind of bad emotion in each of these three cases. But you know, remember the best one after three days? The resurrection. That was the best end of any three-day wait, right? That was the day when Jesus exchanged a crown of thorns for a crown of glory in three days. We've heard this three-day story as Christians over and over and over. But here's my point. Whether it's three days, three months, three years, our God is faithful. Our God is faithful. Thank you. Verse 24, let's read on. And the people complained... And they turned against Moses. Are you kidding me? It's been three days, no water. What did they start doing? Complaining. What are we going to drink? They demanded. Verse 25. Moses cried out to the Lord for help. The Lord showed him a piece of wood. Moses threw it in the water. Here's the first watering, filtering system you've ever read about. It made the water good to drink. It's like, here's a piece of wood. Hey, it's drinkable. Excellent, right? That's how God works. It was there that the Lord set before them a fallen decree. He said, I've got a new standard for you all, okay? I just rescued you, showed you some mighty things. I mean, big waves of water, right? And now it's like, you're thirsty. Here's a piece of wood, makes your water good. You know what? From now on, I've got a new standard for you. Look what he said in verse 26. He said, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands, keeping his decrees, I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. After leaving Marah, the Israelites traveled on the oasis of Elam, where they found 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped beneath the water, by the water. I, I sort of chuckled at that because it's like, when God does something good in your life, you'll never forget it. Remember when God helped us drink water after three days? We were sitting by how many 
springs, 12. Oh, we counted them. And how many palm trees? Not 40, not 79, not 62, 70. We counted the palm trees too. You never forget those moments when God does something mighty in your life. They didn't forget. But here it was, the people complained, God fixed it, but he said, here's the thing, with obedience there is blessings. You disobey me, then there's curses, right? He sort of sets up that new standard. Scripture says this, the Lord is more pleased when we do what is right than when we offer him sacrifices. Proverbs 21, 21 says, whoever pursues righteousness and unfailing love will find life, righteousness, and honor. Jesus himself said this, but even more blessed are those who hear the word of God and what? Put it into practice. Exodus 16, the people continue their journey, but once again, check this out. Pick it up in verse 1 of chapter 16. The whole community of Israel set out from Elam and journeyed into the wilderness of sin between Elam and Mount Sinai. They arrived there on the 15th day of the second month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. There too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. They began to compare their life where they were now to when their life was in Egypt. And it's an amazing thing because they're sitting there saying, we're lacking all this stuff. We don't have any food here. We had food in Egypt. We don't have any water here. We had water in Egypt. Oh, how easy it is to complain, right? Remember when we used to have this? You guys remember when we used to gather together? Remember when we used to, you know, we'd, we'd hug and high five and now we're like social distance, whatever, you know. So remember that? Remember that? We all like to compare, right? But you know what they didn't compare? The negative stuff. Back in Egypt, you had shackles around your legs. Back in Egypt, you were a slave. Back in Egypt, you had a whip to your back. Back in Egypt, you were hurting. You're free now. Yeah, you might be lacking a few things, but God takes care of it. God provides. I think we would have learned this by now, right? Look at verse 4. The Lord said to Moses, hey, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day, the people can go and pick up as much food as they need for that day. I'll test them to see whether or not they're going to follow my instructions. God's like, I'm going to send down this, we call it manna, right? This manna comes out. You just pick up what you need for that day. It's called daily bread. That's what we prayed for. Remember, that's what Jesus said to pray for, to pray for that daily bread. So they go and you pick up that daily bread, that manna, but just for today. Do not take more for tomorrow, except when the Sabbath rolls around, we'll deal with that. Verse 8, Moses did add this. The Lord God will give you meat. In the evening, and bread to satisfy you in the morning. He's heard all your complaints against him. What have we done? Yes, your complaints are against the Lord, not against us. Do you hear what Moses said? These people are complaining. He's like, See, that's what happens. People complain to the leader, the coach, whoever's in charge. They complain, 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 complain. And here's what happens. You're not just complaining against leadership. You're complaining against God who put that person in leadership. They're mad at Moses, but who put Moses there? God did. So Moses saying, you guys aren't only yelling at me. God already said this. You're yelling at him. Be careful when you yell and complain at those in charge because God put them there. Your complaints are against God. If your complaints are against God, does that mean you don't trust God? Think about it. That's what God's telling these people. They're refusing to trust but God knows our weaknesses, doesn't he? And he still gives us what we need. 
He still gives us grace. We don't deserve it. He gives us grace. Look at verse 12. The Lord said to Moses, I've heard the Israelites' complaints. Now tell them, in the evening you'll have meat to eat. In the morning you'll have all the bread you want. Then you know that I'm the Lord your God. Verse 13. That evening, vast numbers of quail flew in and covered the camp. Can you imagine so many quail you can't even see the bottom of the, of the campsite? Can you imagine that? And the next morning, the area around the camp was wet with dew. When the dew evaporated, a flaky substance as fine as frost blanketed the ground. That was the manna. I mean, God worked it all out. He's like, I know you're hungry. I'm providing what you need. I'm taking care of you. You're going to get meat and bread every single day. This is what you need. He gives them some instructions. Some people didn't follow the instructions. That's the way it works, right? We like to hoard, right? You know, we, we, we heard the rumors like, Man, after the governor made his announcement on Wednesday, what happened? Boom. Sam's, Costco, toilet paper. There it goes again. Great. You guys remember the day when we had so much toilet paper, we threw it up in the trees? Remember those days? Yeah, that was the good old days, right? But some people didn't listen and didn't listen here in the scripture. They said some of them didn't listen. They kept it until morning. By then it was full of maggots and had a terrible smell. Let's get up in the morning like, oh man, I saved some manna from last night. You wake up in the morning, it's like all these little maggots, like, ugh. And it smelled. Here's why. Because sin stinks. Sin stinks. Disobedience to God stinks, right? God goes uh, to Moses and says this because he already knew the hearts of mankind. Look what he says. Verse 29. The Lord asked Moses, how long will these people refuse to obey my commands and instructions? They must realize the Sabbath is the Lord's gift to you. That's why he gives you a two-day supply on the sixth day. So there'll be enough for two days. On the Sabbath, each of you must stay in your place. Don't go out and pick up food on the seventh day. So the people did not gather any food on the seventh day. That was the Lord's plan. Enough for every day. Oh, but when the Sabbath comes, you'll get enough for two days. So you don't go out on the Sabbath. Then there you go. The next day, we start all over again. You know how long God did this? 40 years. You guys thought Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving leftovers was going to be painful? Like uh, three days of turkey. How about 40 years of quail and manna? Obviously, it didn't get old. They loved it, right? And here's the other thing. Home delivery started here thousands of years ago. It says God brought it right to their tent, right? Nobody had to make any phone calls. God delivered, literally delivered. What's the point in all this? Here's the point. God doesn't rescue these people just to abandon them. And it's the same with us. It's a very strong principle. God never rescues us just to abandon us. He rescues us with purpose. We've been rescued. We've been snatched from the pit of hell. We've been redeemed. We've been made new. In Christ, we are new creations. If you don't believe me, how about you listen to the children of our church? This past Wednesday, and I love this because I know what I'm preaching on, and this Wednesday, it just so happened that the kids' memory verses and a baptism contained all of this. So I want to share with you some of those kids and their memory verses. When you believe, you can't take credit from this. It's a gift from God. Ephesians 2, 8. When God... If anybody is in Christ, there is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Second Corinthians five seventeen. God saved you by His grace. What? When you believe, you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Ephesians two eight. 
in Christ, they are new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Second Corinthians five seventeen. God save God saved you by His grace when you believe. You can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Ephesians two eight. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Second Corinthians five seventeen. God saved you by His grace for when you believe. You can't take credit for this. This is a gift from God. Ephesians two eight. In Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Second Corinthians five seventeen. Whoever's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Second Corinthians five seventeen. God saved you by His grace. When you believe, you can take about it for this. This is a gift from God. Two, I mean Ephesians two eight. I got it. God saved you by His grace. When you believe, you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Ephesians two verse eight. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Second Corinthians five seventeen. As I'm preaching this week and knowing that I'm going to be talking about that verse mentioned, it's like, what are the odds that the kids are quoting that verse this week? Oh, wait, it gets better. Wednesday night as well, that didn't just happen. Something pretty awesome happened in here too. You see the baptismal over here to my right, your left. We had a baptism in here. We had two young ladies from um, the high school get baptized. They stood up here. They shared their testimony. I'm going to just share part of one of the girls' testimonies with you. I was tired of living for the world and started living for God. So I began to repent and realize I'm not perfect and I will make mistakes and that's okay. I always said to myself, I feel bad putting all my problems on God. And I tried handling things on my own and I started to struggle. When I was struggling, I started going to church again with Brooklyn. One day when Brooklyn and I went to youth group, Pastor Paul was talking about Judgment Day and justification. Brooklyn and I ended up talking to our youth leader about baptism. We spoke with Pastor Paul, and the one question that stuck out to me the most was, why do you want to get baptized? Simply, I'm ready to fully live my life for my Lord and Savior and become a new person. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life has gone, and the new life has begun. What are the odds that she quotes 2 Corinthians 5.17? Do you see how God works? We are new in Christ. Yeah, a lot of bad things happen in life, but there's a lot to celebrate. As our children are memorizing these verses, as our youth are getting baptized, and I believe, uh, Pastor Paul, this Wednesday we have another one or two possibly getting baptized. Next Sunday we have somebody getting baptized. We just Let's just leave it up. The staff doesn't mind. We'll just put the jets on. And I mean, no, we won't. But um, we are, we're going to leave it up because we've got more people that want to get baptized. Because you realize when you are, have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you are new in Christ. And it's time to make that public statement that I want people to know that I'm different. God has rescued us. He goes with us. He provides for us. So let's be careful with our complaining because that is not godly. We give thanks, not complaints. We give praise, not put downs. So let me ask you those three questions again. Do we live with confidence and hope 
and peace? Or are we too focused on the ferals of our life? Do we see the red seas of life as obstacles or as walls ready to walk through? And when we see the hand of God, whether it's a simple answer to prayer or a massive miracle, do we give thanks? How do we answer those questions? Remember this, our God is an awesome God. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. As they're coming forward, don't tune me out. I want to read a couple verses to you. Psalm 95, 1 and 2 says this, Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing songs of praise to him. See, our God is a great God, a great king above all gods. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. We are the people he watches over, the flock under his care. Our God is a great and awesome God. He's a mighty provider. And those thoughts should make us want to come to him. I get it. This year has been a challenge. I feel like a broken record up here sometimes saying that as often as I do. But I know many who are discouraged and downhearted. But let's remember what the Lord's done for us. I know that the governor may say something this week. But I know what my Lord says every day. And because of that, I trust him, the Lord. He is my rock, my salvation. I pray he is yours too. Right now, I want you to think about all that he's done for you. I gave you that list earlier. Now that we've had some time together... Has that list changed? Let's be people of praise. Let's be people that during difficult times, we believe that God still cares for us and he loves us and we can trust him. Let's be those kind of people that say we can find joy even in the midst of difficulty. We can find reason to give thanks even when circumstances really aren't that exciting. We can give thanks because we have a great and awesome God. Amen. Would you stand, please? This morning, I want to give you one more reason to give thanks. It's called the gospel. Because I don't want anybody in this, in this place or watching online to leave this morning without hearing this truth. There is a God that we worship, a God who loves you. And we know that sin has separated us from God. He is a holy God. We are not. And so that's why we... Look at God and say, God, you're holy. We're not. And he goes, I know. That's why I sent my son, Jesus Christ, to rescue you. To get rid of that sin. To pay for the price because you've earned death. That's what wages do. The wages of sin earn you death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So this morning, if you're in here and it's like, I believe that there's a God. And I know I've messed up. But I don't know if I've ever asked Jesus to forgive me. Today's a good day to ask for that forgiveness to place your faith in him, to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. And if you're like, I'm going to pray that prayer. When I, when I pray, you go ahead and pray. Use your words and confess to him. And you're like, man, I'm, I'm new in Christ. Yes, you are. Matter of fact, you want to get baptized next week? Let's just do it. We're already going to baptize somebody else. If you're a youth in here and you're like, I, I've heard what Pastor Paul said and I was watching that video and, and I want to... I want, you and your parents go talk to Pastor Paul. That could happen Wednesday night as well. We, know, we don't want to put off making these decisions that are so important, right? Never put those off. Never put them off. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an awesome God you are. For this, we can be thankful. We can give thanks because you have come to save us. So God, right now, right where we're at, if if we have sin in our life that needs to be confessed, God, we bring these sins to you right now and we ask, Lord, to forgive us of our sins. We know you are a holy God and we are not. And we know you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to pay for those sins because we can't. We can't get right with you. But through Christ, we are made new. And we have new life. So God, we ask for forgiveness. Come into our lives, Lord. Help us to worship you and you alone because you are worth worshiping. What a great and mighty God you are. We thank you, Lord, for the many blessings you give us. I thank you, Lord, for this church. I thank you for the sunshine that is now shining. Thank you, Lord, that even when it's cloudy, we have reason to give you thanks. And God, whatever comes our way this week, whatever voices are intimidating us or whatever voices are creating anxiety, whatever voices are causing us to wonder, Lord, help us to dismiss those voices and listen to your voice, the voice of God, the voice of truth. Remind us that you love us and that you provide everything we need. We have so many reasons to say thank you. God, we love you. We want to sing to you now, Lord. In our name we pray. Amen.